listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday, if you're listening to this on the day that it was released, and that means it's podcast day, and it's good to be back with you again. I'm here in Parkersburg, West Virginia at Celebrate Parkersburg. It's an outdoor crusade we're doing. My father is preaching every night under the tent, and uh, we're seeing souls saved. We're seeing people healed and delivered. Supernatural things are taking place. So it's very exciting what's happening around the world right now. I mean, Jesus clearly is coming back soon, and uh, we're getting to work because time's running out, and there are people who don't know Jesus. So exciting to be a part of what God's doing in these last days. And uh, I know you are uh, working as well wherever you are. And uh, part of this, uh, the reason for this podcast is to encourage people like never before to get to work, to activate your faith and to do what you're called to do uh, for the kingdom of God. As time is running out, Jesus is getting ready to come back to the earth. And uh, so it's so exciting to be a part of this end time move of the Holy Ghost on the earth. So I'm excited that you're connecting with me today and uh, I've got something awesome to share with you. Before we jump in, let me quickly say, um, we have people contacting us all the time, every single day uh, from the podcast and uh, asking questions. People are interested. People are hungry. Don't believe the lie that's going around right now around the world that nobody's interested in the things of God. Nobody's interested in uh, Christianity and people are cold. That's not been the case. Uh, in my experience, every person I come in contact with that sees the power of the Holy Ghost is very hungry and very ready to receive what God has for them. And this is the greatest time to be alive that ever existed before Jesus comes back. So people are hungry and we're getting a lot of messages coming in through social media, through our website. And uh, today's podcast, by the way, is uh, a subject that uh, Sam in New York wrote in and he said, could you do a podcast and talk about what is impartation? What is impartation? What does it do? How do we receive it? What's it for? Could you explain more deeply uh, the subject of impartation? And I'll tell you that it came right at the right time Sam, if you're listening, because I am writing a book right now that God's placed on my heart and it's been there for a while and I've been researching and getting my notes together, but we're getting ready to release this book that's entitled Further Faster. That's the name of the book, Further Faster, How Impartation Allows You to Leapfrog Past the Normal. And so if you saw today's uh, podcast title, it's How to Go Further Faster. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the power of impartation today, why you need it, what it will do for your life, how you can receive it. And those three things we're going to cover today as quickly as I can. I don't want to, this podcast could very easily end up being a three hour podcast and uh, I don't necessarily want to do that, but I do want to show you these three things because every believer needs to take part in impartation. It is God's way of bringing power and development to his body to make us uh, effective and to equip us for what we've been called to do. So that's why we're doing this podcast today. So Sam in New York, thank you for sending the uh, message. We're going to cover it for you today. And by the way, any of anybody that's listening, uh, if you have things you'd like to hear us cover on this podcast, topics that you'd like to know more about, uh, please write us. You know, for if you're on Instagram, you can send me a direct message at my name is at Ted Shuttlesworth on Instagram. Uh, if you're on Twitter and like to send me a direct message or uh, an at reply, my name on Twitter is at T Shuttlesworth. Uh, and of course, we have Facebook and Messenger. Our website, MiracleWord.com. You could send us a message on there and uh, be happy to hear from you and, and uh, get to these podcasts. We have a lot in the queue now from people that are writing in. So uh, happy to get this. And, and also very happy that people are hungry for the word of God and uh, and to learn more about the things of God. So I'm very, very happy. And we're on our way, like I told you a couple of weeks ago to now, which blows my mind, 25,000 downloads of this podcast. So I'm so happy uh, to see what God's doing 
with this podcast. And let me encourage you, if you're listening today, you know what I always ask you to do. If you don't mind, before we get started, share it on your social media, post something on your uh, Instagram story, um, put it on your Instagram, on your uh, Snapchat, put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, let people know you're listening, put a link there, let them get involved with the podcast. I know it will change somebody's life today. So let's jump in. uh, And I want to talk to you about this subject. Uh, What is impartation? What's its function? What does it do for you? And then finally, how do you receive it? How do you receive impartation? Well, I want to first start by saying, uh, and this is something that blows people's minds when they hear it, but it is possible to operate in the power of another man or woman's spirit. I'm going to say that again so that you get it in your heart today. It is possible to operate in the power of another man or woman's spirit. That's found in the Bible uh, in multiple places, and I'll show you what the Bible says about it. In fact, in the book of Luke, chapter 1, the Bible begins to describe the ministry of John the Baptist. And the Bible says in Luke, chapter 1, and verse 17, that John the Baptist would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. In fact, I'll read it to you from the ESV. The Bible says, and he, John the Baptist, will go before him, speaking about Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So John the Baptist came in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. Now, if we jump back and we look Uh, to the story of Elijah and Elisha, very, very interesting uh, uh, way that this worked. And that's why I wanted to show it to you. This is a very clear picture in the Old Testament of impartation and how it worked. And so if you begin to understand the relationship between Elijah and Elisha, let me tell you a few things that you may not know to give you a bit of an origin for this story. Number one, Elijah was not just a prophet. Elijah was considered a master prophet Uh, I I sometimes refer to him as a professor prophet. And the reason I say that is because Samuel the prophet, if you study the Old Testament, Samuel the prophet established a school of the prophets. And so there was a school of the prophets. In fact, if you read through the Old Testament, including uh, here in 2 Kings, where we're going to read, you'll see that there was a group of men that were referred to as the sons of the prophets. You probably have seen that throughout the Old Testament, uh, that term, sons of the prophets. That was actually referring to people who were training under master prophets like Samuel or, or Elijah. These sons of the prophets were being raised up by prophets who were above them, more uh what if you want to say more seasoned than they were. And in fact, you can see throughout the scripture that Samuel would teach the prophets as well as Elijah. They would sit at the feet of Elijah and he would teach them and he would develop them. They were, they were uh, of course referred to as the sons of the prophets and in different places throughout that region, there were, there were schools where these sons of the prophets were. In fact, if you study the, uh, the final journey that Elijah uh, made, that Elisha said to him, I'll stick with you no matter what. And Elijah was testing him and he kept saying to him, no, you stay here. I have to go on further. And he said, no, as the Lord God lives, I'll not leave your side. And Elisha was hungry to be with Elijah wherever he was. And they made that uh, final trip or journey, if you will. There are places mentioned in that in that journey, you know, they leave Bethel, which is the house of God. That's what that means. Bethel, the house of God. And they go, there's different places. They stop Jericho. And then they go on towards the Jordan river. There's different places, but in each place where they stop, there were the sons of the prophets that would come out and talk to Elisha. And they'd say, don't you know that your father's going to be taken away from you today? And he'd say, of course I know about it, but stay quiet about it. And, uh, So basically what Elisha was trying to tell them was, you're not the only prophets here. I'm also a prophet. So I can sense these things in the spirit too. But see, one thing I want to point out to you is that although the sons of the prophets could sense Elijah was getting ready to leave the earth, they did not stick with Elijah as he was on his final journey. Only Elisha had the hunger and the desire for impartation at the level that he was at 
that kept him next to Elijah or traveling with Elijah until Elijah left the earth. So understand, at that moment, Elisha and the sons of the prophets might have been on the same level spiritually. They might have been on the same prophetic level at that moment. But notice here, and this is a huge key if you're listening to this today, huge key, write this down. Hunger separated Elisha from the other sons of the prophets. Elisha was one of the sons of the prophets for he was training under Elijah. But notice this, hunger separated Elisha from the other sons of the prophets. So it was Elisha's hunger to go higher that caused him to have the opportunity to go higher. It was Elisha's hunger to go higher that gave him the opportunity to go higher. So his hunger opened the door for a greater level. Get that today. His hunger for the things of the spirit opened the door for a greater level. In fact, that's what the Bible teaches. You know, Jesus taught that in his sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five. He said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. So in order to receive that spiritual supernatural filling, the prerequisite is hunger and thirst for spiritual things. You cannot be filled if you're not hungry. You cannot be filled if you're not hungry. Notice the reason that the sons of the prophets stayed on the same level that they'd always been and Elisha leveled up and went further faster is because Elisha was separated by his hunger. Elisha was separated by his hunger. So when Elijah made his move and said, no, I'm going to go on my way. I have things to do. I'm going. He said, you stay here. And he tested him multiple times. Notice this. Elijah tested him multiple times. This is a very, very interesting uh, story here. And I'm going to break it down for you. We'll, We'll read it together. Uh, in in Second uh, Kings chapter two, uh, verse one, this is the story of Elijah taken into heaven. Now listen to this very carefully because it's powerful. This has so many things in it for us to get. Listen, verse one: When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, "Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel." Now see, there's the first test. He's trying to get his spiritual son to separate from him. Look at, look at this. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Now watch. Now the group of prophets from Bethel, and another translation says the sons of the prophets from Bethel. So notice this was one of the places where there was a school of the prophets, Bethel. The group of the prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. Notice another test to try to separate him from the anointing. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. To Jericho. Now watch this, verse 5. Then the group of prophets from Jericho, notice there was another school of prophets in Jericho. And if you study this, Elijah would go to these different towns and places and teach these prophets. So he was a master prophet or a professor prophet. Did you know, they said in Jericho, that the Lord's going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered again. But be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha third time, stay here. For the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Verse seven, 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance. Notice this. They didn't have the intimacy of sticking with Elijah. They were spectators. They were not participators in his ministry. I want you to see this. They were just there to watch and see what was going to happen. They were not there to receive and serve. They were there to spectate, not to serve. 
if you want impartation, you have to serve the gift that you want to receive. That is a huge, huge key in today's podcast. If you want to receive impartation, you have got to serve the gift that you're going to receive or that you want to receive. This is one of the most sure ways, and I'm going to give you at the end of the podcast steps or keys to receiving impartation, but this is huge. You've got to serve the gift that you want to receive. So 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it, and the river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. Verse nine, when they came to the other side, Elisha said to Elisha, now I've got to show you this. Verse nine is so huge. Notice that Elijah did not ask Elisha what he wanted to receive until he had passed the test of hunger. Elijah did not ask Elisha what he wanted to receive until Elisha had passed the test of hunger. When they'd reached the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. So Elisha's hunger opened the door to receive a prophetic impartation from his mentor. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double portion of your spirit and become your successor. Verse 10, you've asked me a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you'll get your request. But if not, then you won't. Notice, even though he was giving him an opportunity here, Elisha still had to continue to stick with the prophet. He said, I'm not up yet, but if you still are with me, if you still see me when I'm taken away, then you'll receive what you asked for. But I want to point out something here that most people never touch on, never talk about. And sadly, many full gospel denominations now are pulling back away from this truth and denying that it even exists. Watch this. Elisha, what he asked for is so, so important. Notice what he said to Elijah. He said, please let me receive a double portion, not of the Holy Spirit. Get this, not of the Holy Spirit. He said, let me receive a double portion of your spirit, of your spirit. So notice he wanted specifically what Elijah had. He didn't just want any anointing. He didn't just want any type of manifestation. He didn't just want any type of function. He said, I want the anointing that you have, the one that you've developed, the one that you've walked in, the one that you've operated in. I want a double portion of your spirit. This takes me back to the beginning again. It is possible to operate in the power of another man's spirit. You can receive it. That's what impartation is. That's why we have lines of impartation throughout the body of Christ. And you can see similarities in ministries that come from other ministries. That's why when you see where somebody came from, who was their spiritual father, what what ministry did they come out of? Many times you'll see similarities in how they function in the spirit, how they operate in the spirit. And when you understand impartation, you know exactly why that happened. Because when you serve under somebody, when you receive from somebody, you're receiving a portion of their spirit in your life and in your ministry. And that's how powerful impartation is. That's why, and I'm going to show you in a moment, that's why you're able to go further, faster. What do I mean by that? There might be other people that are your age But because they've not connected to the anointing the way you have and received spiritual gifts and impartation the way you have, you actually might be at the same age as them, but you're operating at a much higher spiritual level than they are, not because of your age or your personal education, but because you've been humble enough to serve a gift that carries power. And through your service of that gift, you've received impartation, you've received spiritual gifts that have established you at a higher level. That's so scriptural, and I don't know how people miss this, but it's so scriptural that this is how God works in the body of Christ. 
There are no lone rangers in the body of Christ. What do I mean by that? If God wants to raise up men, he raises up a man. And what do I mean by that? Well, understand this. There are some full gospel denominations that teach that no human being can impart spiritual gifts to another human being. Well-known, widely acclaimed, full gospel denominations are teaching at the highest levels that no man or woman can impart spiritual gifts to another man or woman, that only God can impart spiritual gifts to another man or woman. Well, if that's the case, how in the world, I mean, you're basically what they're doing, they're denying impartation, that it's not a real thing, that you can't transfer power or gifts, spiritual gifts into another person from one to the other, that only God picks and chooses who gets that. Well, if that's the case, I'm going to take you through a couple of things in the scripture today, and we're going to have to question that because as some people are pulling away from the truth of impartation, myself and many other Pentecostal believers are pushing into this power, understanding from scripture, it is God's method of promotion. For example, go back to the Old Testament when Moses was God's man to lead the nation of Israel, brought them out of bondage, brought them completely out of bondage. Before we finish the story of Elijah and Elisha, let me bring up the story of Moses and Joshua. Okay, look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 34, when it was time for a transition in leadership and power, there were some men that were qualified to take over. Notice when Moses, you remember this story, when Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to spy it out and 10 of them came back and said, oh, there's giants in the land. We're grasshoppers in their sight. They'll, you know, you know, basically a, a report of fear that kept them out of the promised land. But two of those men came back with a faith report. It was Joshua and Caleb. And they said, we're well able to take this land. Let's go now. This is our land. We can easily, when they, when they brought up the subject of giants again, they replied, those giants will be like bread to us, which means we can eat them up. They've got no ability to keep us out of our promise. So two men came back with faith. So truly, when it was time to turn over leadership of the nation of Israel to another man when Moses had gotten old, really Joshua and Caleb were faith-filled and probably both good candidates to take over leadership of Israel. But why was it Joshua that was able to take over Israel after Moses was done? Deuteronomy 34 tells us exactly why this happened. Let me read you verse 9. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 34, 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? Why was he full? We know he wasn't just full of faith. You also, you don't just need faith. You also need wisdom to be a leader. But the question is, why was Joshua full of wisdom? This verse tells us. He was full of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel, all of them, by the way, millions of them, scholars tell us there were anywhere between three to six million people that left slavery in Egypt, three to six million people. So the people of Israel obeyed him, Joshua, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. How in the world can you, I mean, you can't even have a church in America get a new pastor, a church of 300 people, and everyone in the church uh, unite behind the new pastor. There's always divisions and cliques and people that didn't vote for him. You know, if you're in one of those kind of dead churches where they vote on who the pastor should be, they can't even get 300 people behind the same man. How in the world were they able to get three to six million people behind one man and have no deviations? Nobody broke off and formed, you know, a, a different nation of Israel under different leadership. The Bible says it tells us why. Because when it was time to raise up a new leader, Moses, who carried the authority and power of God, laid his hands upon Joshua and according to this verse of scripture, imparted to him a spirit of wisdom and it filled Joshua. 
So we know Joshua was not at that point just filled with faith. He was also filled with a spirit of wisdom. And because he received that impartation, notice this, all of the people transferred their allegiance from Moses to Joshua. So one thing I want you to see here today is that everybody, including your enemy, responds differently to somebody with impartation. First of all, people respond differently. They had never followed Joshua before. But when impartation came and God raised him up through impartation, then their allegiance switched from Moses to Joshua. So people respond differently to someone with impartation because it changes your authority level, changes your ability to perform, changes your power level. Now, let's go back to the story of Elisha and Elijah. The Bible says, he said, you've asked me a hard thing, but if you see me when I go or I'm taken from you, then you'll get your request. But if you don't, then you won't. Verse 11 of 2 Kings 2. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Now watch this, verse 13, and Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak. That mantle represented Elijah's authority and power and anointing. He picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. Now, do you remember what they did when they came across? The Bible says Elijah took off his cloak and folded it and struck the water with it. And when Elijah struck the Jordan River, it parted and they crossed on dry ground. Now the mantle has fallen down from the sky onto the ground and Elisha picks up that same mantle. Now comes the test. Did he receive the impartation of Elijah's spirit, or did he not? This is the moment of testing for Elisha. The Bible says that he picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up, and then Elijah returned to the bank of the Jordan River, verse 14, and he struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. Look at verse 15. This is so powerful. Verse 15, the Bible says, when the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Look at this. So powerful. So When Elisha first went across the Jordan, before he received impartation, he was on their level. But after he received impartation and came back across the Jordan, he had leveled up. And now, although he may still be the same age as many of those sons of the prophets, and although he came up in the same way they came up and was developed in the same way, his hunger for impartation and his willingness to serve selflessly put him on a much higher level than the sons of the prophets. So powerful. Not only that, if you study the life of Elisha, he got exactly what he asked for because at the end of his ministry, he had done exactly double the number of miracles that Elijah had done. But notice that immediately, this is so awesome, immediately the sons of the prophets recognized Not after they got up close with him and started feeling what he felt like now and seeing the mirror. No, no, no. From afar off, the Bible says, they immediately recognized that Elisha was on another level because impartation had taken him up. Impartation had taken him higher. So powerful, man. Impartation is God's way of uh, taking us to a new dimension or a higher level impartation. See, it would be stupid of God to have his children 
generation after generation have to start from the ground level and build up from there. That's foolish. That's not, that's not the best way to do it. Uh, understand this. If my, uh, for example, I'm a third generation minister. My grandfather ministered for over 60 years for the kingdom of God. He was one of the first in his family to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody thought he'd be saved, but he worked for 60 some years for the kingdom of God. And then he had four sons. Now, all four of his sons were also called to be ministers. It would be so foolish of God to allow that man, my grandfather, to work for the kingdom for 60 plus years to gain all that knowledge of the world, word, uh, revelation, uh, impartations that he'd received, all these other things. And then when his sons were called into the ministry, make the four sons start at the ground level where my grandfather started and built up from there. No, that is not how God works. God does not work like that. You can clearly see it from Moses and Joshua. You can clearly see it from Elijah and Elisha. I'm going to show it to you from Jesus and the disciples. I'm going to show it to you from Paul and Timothy and Paul and other churches that he planted, that that's not how God works. How God does work is he takes where our mentors left off and lets us begin from there. So all four of my grandfather's sons, my father and his three brothers, they got to begin at a much higher level than their father began. He had imparted to them wisdom. He had imparted to them power. He had imparted to them authority. He had imparted to them the ability to uh, make wise decisions and administrate well. Uh, The things that he'd built up in his ministry over 60 years were imparted to those sons. Now, they've been ministering for close to 40 years. Now, I'm a third-generation minister. When God called me way back when I was five years old, God told me that I'd be a minister. And then I got filled with the Holy Ghost at five years old and spoke in tongues. God's not going to take me back to my grandfather's base level and make me start from the ground up there. That would be foolish. It's not efficient. And God's no fool. And he knows that there's a limited amount of time and that everybody needs to be at the highest possible level to do what they're called to do and be equipped by the power of God. So he doesn't start me where my grandfather started and he doesn't start me where my grandfather ended and he doesn't start me where my father started and he doesn't start me from where my father is now. He takes who goes before us if we've been willing to serve and to receive that impartation and our mentor's ceiling becomes our floor. Our mentor's ceiling becomes our floor. Notice that Elijah had to do his entire ministry. He worked for his entire ministry and his final miracle was parting the Jordan River with his cloak. It took him his entire ministry to get to that place where he could part the Jordan River. It was his last miracle. But notice Elijah's last miracle was Elisha's first miracle. Elijah's last miracle was Elisha's first miracle. Elisha started where his mentor left off. Notice that Joshua didn't have to take the people of Israel back to Egypt and get them back in bondage and then deliver them again and do that whole exodus over again. No, he started from where they were now. All that God had used Moses to do, all that God had used Moses to build, God allowed Joshua to start from that point of building and move forward from there. That's how God works through impartation. He allows us to go further, faster. Things that Moses had to do in order to get them where they were, Joshua did not have to do. Notice, Joshua didn't have to go back and stand in front of Pharaoh and try to convince Pharaoh to let God's people go. No, he didn't have to fight the battles Moses had already fought. In fact, you can win battles for your next generation. This is a powerful thing that almost nobody talks about. But you can win battles for the next generation. You can get you can get free from things and cut the devil's hands off in your life so that things your parents had to battle that you had to break, your children will never ever battle. What do I mean by that? 
What if you grew up in a home where both parents were heavy drinkers and that was something that went on in your house, alcoholism and addiction to, you know, different substances. And you had to be the one once you got saved to break that curse in your family by the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, you now separated your family tree by the Holy Ghost and your children will not have to break that curse because you've already broken it by the power of God. Do you see that? You won a battle that your children will never have to fight. In fact, I'm not going to take the time to turn there because we've already been going for a while, but this is what happened between David, King David, and his son Solomon. In fact, did you know God spoke to David and told him one of the reasons uh, that he couldn't build the new temple of God? He'd killed too many people. He'd been in too many battles. Do you know David had fought for his entire life since he was young until he was old? fought and fought and fought and the kingdom of Israel was at war at war at war but God said because you fought these battles and because you've been faithful to to fight and to win and you've known a time of war but because you've won those battles your son will know a time of peace so because David fought Solomon could live in peace according to God you can win battles for the next generation get that you can win battles for the next generation. And so when they receive impartation from you, they start at a much higher level than you started at. That's God's way. That's how God operates, you see. And so impartation is powerful. Now, let's go back and you begin to see that without question, Elisha was now on a higher level than the sons of the prophets. In fact, two chapters later, there's a famine. In verse 38 of 2 Kings 4, the Bible says, Elisha now returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in the land. And one day as the group of prophets was seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and came back with a pocket full of wild gourds and he shredded them and put them into the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Some of the stew had served to the men, but after he'd eaten a bite or two, they cried out, man of God, there's poison in this stew. So they would not eat it. And Elisha said, bring me flour. And he healed the stew and actually cleansed it so that it was not poisonous. But notice what they were doing. Did you see that at the beginning? The same thing, the sons of the prophets who mocked Elisha when he was traveling with Elijah. Don't you know your master's going to be taken away? I thought you were a prophet, Elisha. Don't you understand in the spirit that your master's going to be taken away? These guys were mocking him before. But notice now that he had impartation. In the same way they used to sit at Elijah's feet, they were now sitting at Elisha's feet. That's 2 Kings chapter 2, or excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 38. One day as the group of prophets was seated before him, in the same way they used to sit before Elijah and hear and receive teaching, they were now sitting before Elisha and receiving teaching teaching. He might've been on their level before, but he leveled up through impartation and now was head and shoulders above the rest. And that's how God works through the power of impartation. Do you know when God imparted to me the ability to play the piano, I I had never taken any lessons. I didn't know anything about music. I had never sat and, uh, and learned sheet music or classically trained or had lessons from a piano teacher. None of that. I had a hunger and a desire to praise and worship the Lord. In fact, you can find this testimony and story in my book entitled Unhang Your Harp. In fact, I'll link it in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to check out that book, Unhang Your Harp, how praise opens the door to every blessing God set aside for you, you can click the link in the description and it'll take take you right to the book. You can grab a copy of it. But in this book, I, I include the story of how I received my gift from heaven that I didn't learn this by natural means, that God anointed my mind. One time when I was a young teenager, evangelist R.W. Shambach laid hands on me under his tent in one of the children blessing services, and he saw my hunger. He knew that I had a hunger to praise and worship and to play and to sing, and I'd sit by the band every night and watch them and listen and dance and give God glory, and one night he just understood what I was seeking after. When he laid his hands on me, he prophesied and imparted. He said, you'll begin to praise and worship God like you see them doing. I had no training, but from that moment, it reminded me of first Kings or excuse me, first Samuel 16, 13, when Samuel laid hands on David and the Bible said from that moment forward, 
the spirit of the Lord came powerfully or mightily upon David. That's what happened to me. From that moment, God began to anoint my mind and I began to learn at an advanced, extremely advanced rate. To this day, I've never sat down and had formal piano lessons, but I've played all over the world and and doors have opened me, not because of me, because of impartation. You receive by the spirit of God. You receive by the spirit of God, not by trial and error, trial and error. That's not how God wants his people to learn. Listen to this. God does not want us to learn by destruction. He wants us to learn by instruction. Let me say it again. God doesn't want us to learn by destruction. He wants us to learn by instruction. The Bible says that Paul, the apostle, affected many people, including Timothy, who was his son in the gospel. And the Bible says he wrote in the letter that he wrote to Timothy, and he said to him, stir up the gift that lies within you that came through the laying on of my hands. Do you see that? Stir up the gift. How did the gift get there? That's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Stir up the gift that lies within you. How did the gift get there? Paul explains it. Through the laying on of my hands. So Paul said to Timothy, I lay, when I laid hands on you, I imparted a spiritual gift to you that now stays with you and you can operate in it. Notice that was something out of Paul's spirit. So Timothy was operating in the spirit and power of Paul. Timothy was operating in the spirit and power of Paul. Paul said so. He said, you've got a gift that was in me. I put it in you when I laid hands on you. Now stir it up. So notice, although we can receive impartation, it's our responsibility to stir it up once we've received it. It's our responsibility to activate it once we've received it. It's just like if somebody gave you a car. It's still your responsibility to fill it with gas, get the tune-ups, and drive it. Otherwise, it does you no good. It just sits in your driveway. But when we receive impartation, the same thing is true. We've got to maintain it. We've got to stir ourselves up. We've got to activate it. We've got to use it. Paul said to the Roman church, let me read you Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. Paul said, I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Let me read that to you in the English Standard Version. Listen to this. He said, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you and that you may be established. One translation says that you might be also be established, strengthened and established. So Paul was very clear that whether, now there, there are different ways that impartation can come. You know, sometimes it comes through the laying on of hands. Sometimes it comes by observation and serving, as I said before. Sometimes it comes strictly through the teaching of God's word, which is a powerful way, a powerful way. In fact, Paul was probably referring to that in Romans chapter one, when he said, I long to see that I may impart to you a spiritual gift to strengthen you. He was most likely talking about teaching that Roman church and his teaching would impart to them. As you see in Acts chapter 20, Uh, when he's referring to the, the elders in the church of Ephesus, he said, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance in the saints. So he was saying that when the teaching of the word will build you up, the teaching of the word will cause you to be established and to give you an inheritance. That's why I encourage, if you listen to the podcast, uh, on this channel entitled, um, the, uh, the power of the 224 rule or what we talked about, the 224 rule, uh, I, I suggest that you know a good portion of that 224, at least 45 minutes or more, you, you listen to anointed preaching and teaching, whether it be on YouTube, whether, whether it be through our uh, 24-hour radio station, Miracle Word Radio, which you can keep on all the time and listen to preaching and teaching. Spend time daily receiving the anointed word into your spirit because that brings impartation and sets you on a higher level. So we've got to do it. We have to spend time receiving teaching and preaching. In fact, think of it this way. The the power you desire to operate in, the grace, the anointing, the function that you desire to operate in in your ministry is already being carried by somebody on the earth. Already. It is your job to then find them 
and to receive impartation from them. You've got to find them and then receive impartation from them. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 41. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he's righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. So there's a prophetic blessing that comes on people that aren't even prophets just because they received prophets and said that, yes, I believe they are a God sent prophet and receive from them. So you can receive from somebody who's at a higher level and that will cause you to go to a higher level. Let me finish today by talking about how to receive impartation, how to receive impartation. Number one, when you find somebody, a man or woman who's operating in the power of God and you want to receive from that person, number one, you've got to honor that person in your heart. You've got to honor that person in your heart. What does that mean? Well, you can't just honor them outwardly, but in your heart you despise them. You can't just honor them because you know you have to. For example, let's say it's your pastor and you just treat him with respect or you honor his ministry because you know you have to because he's your pastor, but in your heart you don't. When you're at home, you speak against him. In private, behind closed doors, you say things. That's not honoring them in your heart. You've got to honor them in your heart as well as publicly. In fact, God spoke in the book of Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13, and the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. So he begins to talk about things he'll hide from them and and that the wisdom, their wisdom will perish. Why? Because they're only honoring him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. In fact, the same thing, you know, people saw Jesus and thought they were going to get miracles from Jesus. He returns to his hometown, but the Bible says in Mark chapter six and verse four, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown among his relatives and in his own household. They did not honor Jesus in their hearts. And as a result, the Bible says, and he could do verse five, and he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Why could Jesus not do the work? Why couldn't he produce miracles in his hometown? Because those people did not honor Jesus in their heart. Number one, the number one step of receiving impartation, you must honor that person that's carrying the anointing in your heart. Number two, you've got to believe in the ministry of that person. You must believe in the ministry of that person. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20, the Bible says, and when they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa and they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord, your God, and you'll be established. But watch this, believe his prophets and you will prosper. So not just believe in the Lord, your God, believe in his prophets. That's what he said. And you'll prosper. You've got to, number two, believe in the ministry of the man or woman that you want to receive impartation from. Number three, you've got to crave what they carry. We just saw that in the story of Elisha and Elijah. While the other prophets were hanging back and doing their thing and, you know, Elisha said, no, 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 I want what he's got so bad that I won't leave him. When other people choose not to serve him, I'll serve him. When nobody else will travel with him, I'll travel with him. When nobody else wants to be around, I'll be around because I crave what he has. I want it. And we know that's the case because not only did he travel with him, he requested it. I want a double portion of your anointing and of your spirit. Number three, you've got to crave what they carry. You've got to crave what they carry. That's so important. You cannot be a sideline servant. You cannot be a sideline servant. No, you cannot do it. It causes you to be somebody who is not hooked in and you have no ability to receive from that source. Number four, 
this this may sound odd to you because we've heard this term in such negative terms throughout our Christian lives. But number four, the fourth way you can receive impartation is that you've got to engage in a soul tie with the carrier of the anointing, a soul tie in the carrier of anointing. What does that mean? Their heart has to become your heart. Their heart has to become your heart. Proverbs 27 and verse 19, the Bible says, as in water, face reflects face. So the heart of man reflects the man. As in water, face reflects face. So the heart of man reflects the man. If you want to receive impartation from someone, it's not so that you can take their anointing and then go do something completely different with it. That's not the function that God put it on their life to accomplish. You don't get to just take somebody's anointing and then go do whatever you want with it. In fact, I once heard my uncle, uh, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, preach on this subject of uh, Elijah and Elisha. And he had done some study uh, in the original language when the Bible says Elijah spoke to Elisha and said, if you see me when I go, then you can have it. And that in the original language, the connotation there is, if we see eye to eye, or if you can see my eyes when I go. This speaks more of if you have my vision when I go. If you can see what I see. If you're headed in the same direction. Because I'm not going to drop my mantle and give you my anointing if you're not going to do what I was called to do. And so you have to engage in a soul tie and make sure your heart is the same as the person's heart who transferred their anointing in your life. Because the anointing is not just there to look good. The anointing is there to complete a function. And there's all, there's all different types of uh, anointings and administrations in the body of Christ, and they all have different purposes. So you can't take a pastor's function and anointing and go try to make it an evangelistic work. You can't take an evangelist's anointing or impartation and try to go make it an apostolic work. It doesn't work that way. Create a soul tie, know the heart of the man or woman and continue carrying the vision. That was number four. Number five, engage in a sonship tie with the carrier. A sonship, become a son or a daughter of that person. Notice that Elisha said to Elijah, my father, my father, my father, my father. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So there's an inheritance of a, of spirit and an authority and anointing to someone who's a spiritual son. Understand that. And notice fathers aren't out seeking out sons. Sons should be seeking fathers. Get this. Fathers are not out running around trying to find sons. Sons should be seeking fathers. It's not the person who's anointing that you want that's going to be running around the world trying to find you. You should be seeking them out. And when you engage in that sonship relationship, then you begin to understand that their virtue or their power replicates naturally in you. It's not forced. You don't have to try to become like that person. The Bible says in Malachi 4, 6, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So notice God does that, but it, it doesn't, it, you know, notice even in the natural, it doesn't work that way. You know, I have a son that's two that goes around making facial expressions. He's not trying to look like me. He just does look like me because he comes from me. People have stepped up to me all the time and say, you know, you look just like your dad. You know, when you preach, you sound just like your dad. I'm not trying to sound like my dad. I came from my dad. He is my actual father and my spiritual father. I spent the majority of my life in every one of his revival services. So you better believe that I've received impartation over a period of 36 years that I don't have to attempt or try to be like him. It will replicate naturally because I have a sonship tie. A sonship tie causes virtue to replicate naturally. That's what impartation is. You see that. And every prophet, by the way, is sent as a father to the earth. Kings refer to them. Other prophets refer to them. My father, my father. Amen. 
Number six, take advantage of every physical contact to tap into the anointing. What do I mean by that? The laying on of hands is a real thing. It is powerful. I've traveled before thousands of miles just to get hands laid on me by a man of God who I knew was anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's funny to me. People spend thousands of dollars and travel thousands of miles to go see a mouse in a costume and ride roller coasters and rides and get you know buy $7 bottles of water at Disney World. They'll spend... Tons of money to stay in a resort and to do all that. And it has no eternal value. But people will not seek out those who have eternal value on the inside of them that can impart something real to your life and spend the money. I don't just say, well, if I got a meeting that way and I'm swinging through. No, I've laid down things that I'm doing. Bought myself a plane ticket, bought myself a hotel room, gone to the meetings, got what found a way to get back to where the man of God was and have him lay his hands on me. I've done that many times. Because I'm seeking out impartation. What's going to take me further faster? It's the anointing that's going to do it. And so you take advantage of every physical contact. I will never be around a man of God that's powerful, that has shaken nations, that has touched nations around the world or touched a nation. You're never going to see me get around and tell them what I'm doing. No, I will always sow a seed into them if I meet them. I never think anything is by chance. Never, never. If I meet a man of God and it's quote unquote a coincidence, it's not. It's God putting them in my path uh, to receive something from them. And I'll always, number one, sow a seed into their life personally, not something small, you know, not a few dollars, not, hey, I just want to give you 20 bucks to go buy lunch today. No, 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 something big that's going to take faith for me to do. And I ask them, please lay your hands on me and pronounce a blessing, give impartation. Every time I take advantage of every physical contact to tap into the anointing without question. And then finally, uh, number seven, cry out from your heart to access what you want. Make it a prayer. Make it a prayer. Say, God, impart to me. Allow whatever grace they had, whatever anointing they had. Let it come upon my life. Let me operate in that flow. And God will give you the desires of your heart. You've got to stay connected, by the way, for a continual flow. Why? Because a ladder is not just to go up. It takes a ladder to stay up. Think about this. If you're painting the top of your house, you don't just need a ladder to get up there. You need a ladder to stay up there. And so that's why we stay connected to the anointing for a continual flow. I'll take time throughout my year to cancel my plans, leave weeks open so that I can be in Holy Ghost meetings that I'm not preaching in, not playing in. I'm there to receive. I'm there to stay connected for a continual flow. Get that. Impartation is so powerful. I want to pray for every one of you today and ask God to give you a hunger to receive impartation. Whatever God's called you to do in your life and in your ministry, there's somebody who's already doing doing the same thing at a much higher level. And you've got to find them and you've got to receive from them impartation. It's God's way. It's what Jesus did. It's what the apostles did. It's what they did in the Old Testament. It is God's way to accomplish your purpose on the earth. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and every woman that's listening to the podcast today. I ask you to put a burning hunger and a desire in their spirit to receive impartation from those that are doing great things in the kingdom of God. Give us a hunger and a desire for your word. Use us mightily in these final moments of time. We thank you for it, and we give you praise and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, before we go, I want to encourage you. I'm so excited about what's coming up. Carolyn and I are getting ready to do some of the biggest things we've ever done to touch the nations of the world. We're getting ready to go on television in every island of the Caribbean, as well as phase two, putting our television program on in the nation of India. Uh, By the time we're done, there's a potential 80 million souls, 80 million plus, I should say, souls that could be touched by this broadcast. And if you're enjoying these podcasts and if you're enjoying all that we're giving to you week after week, all the value that's coming to your spirit from these, can I encourage you to sow a seed today by faith to help us take the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. In the description of this podcast, there's a link that you can sow a seed into our ministry today and help us to change this generation before it is too 
late. If you'd like to partner with this ministry and become a part of what God's doing on a monthly basis, we have many people that are partnering with us at $85 a month. That's $1,000 a year. Or if you'd like to sow a $1,000 seed for one time, do it today and watch as God blesses you. God always blesses those who obey his word. So I want to say thank you ahead of time to every person that's connected with this ministry. We love you guys so much. And once again, stay in touch with us. Let us know what God's doing in your life and let us know what you'd like to hear on this podcast as well. We love hearing from you. I love you so much. And don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. Talk to you next week. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.